There are several Atlanta Braves players that have a chance to bring home an individual award in 2024. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Braves, your daily Atlanta Braves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked On Braves, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, where we are covering your favorite Atlanta sports teams each and every day. I am not your host, Jake Mastriani. Jake is out for a couple of days dealing with the death of a family member. Uh, we're thinking about you. We love you, buddy. We'll see you soon. Uh, no, I am Lindsey Crosby, host of Locked On MV Prospects, managing editor of Bravestoday.com. I know Atlanta Braves fans aren't used to lineup changes. This will just be a temporary thing for a couple of days until Jake is able to come back to the show. Now, before we get into today's show, this episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com because new customers can join today and get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. So I wanted to look at some of the Atlanta Braves that are projected to win individual awards in 2024 because some of this is pretty obvious, but not all of it, right? So when you look at Atlanta Braves that could win awards in 2024, it feels pretty obvious that Ronald Acuna Jr. could win multiple awards in 2024 because he won multiple awards in 2023. We all know, obviously, Ronald Acuna Jr. won MVP, but he won the Hank Aaron Award, which was the most outstanding offensive performer. Uh, looking at this, he was the overall player of the year, the National League outstanding player, tons of awards. And spoiler alert, Ronald Acuna Jr. is the favorite to follow up in 2024 as the MVP. On FanDuel right now, Ronald Acuna Jr. is plus 500 odds. That's uh, first place odds to win MVP and batting title. He's honestly not that far away from what Luis Arise did last year. Luis Arise batted 326, 379, 427 to take home his second consecutive batting title. Reminder, he won it with the twins in 22 with a 316 average and then a 354 this year. But Ronald Acuna Jr. was really close behind him and finished in second. 337 was the batting average. And then it's just worth talking about everything else that Ronald Acuna Jr. did and how in insane his statistical numbers were as far as leading all of baseball or the National League. So 337, 416, 596 was the slash line for Ronald Acuna Jr. That on base of 416 led all of baseball. The OPS of 1,012 led the National League. Ronald led all of baseball in hits with 217 and runs with 149 in stolen bases with 73 and total bases with 383. He also led the National League plate appearances, 735, at bats, 643, caught stealings with 14. Again, I already mentioned OPS and OPS plus at 168. So absurd year for Ronald Acuna Jr. And it's obvious that he could easily repeat as MVP and rookie of the year or rookie of the year MVP and batting champion if he has the same caliber season that he had but there's two other guys that are also 
surprisingly high on the MVP boards for 2024. Matt Olson has the sixth best odds of National League MVP at plus 1,200. And reminder, he led the league in home runs with 54. He led the league with RBIs and 139. And he led the league in slugging percentage at 604. And when you look at Matt Olson's year and what does he need to do differently to win the MVP in 2024, it's hard to look and say that Olsen needs to do things significantly different to win an MVP. I think what he needs, as terrible as it sounds, is for Ronald Acuna Jr. to not have one of the greatest seasons in baseball history. And I say that because we've had very few 40-40 seasons in baseball history, never mind one with 70-plus stolen bases, right? But I think a big part of it is going to be now that you know where Matt Olson is most comfortable in the lineup, him having an opportunity to play there every day. So I know Jake's talked on this show. We've talked about it on Bravestoday.com as well about the difference in Matt Olson batting second and batting fourth. But I feel like sometimes we don't quite see the numbers or hear the numbers to realize how significant that difference was. So most of Matt Olson's at-bats were either in second in the lineup or fourth in the lineup. He did have a total of nine games, either batting third or fifth. But batting second in the lineup, 68 games. He really should have done at least one more. 228, 347, 483 was the slash line for Matt Olson batting second in the lineup. 18 home runs, 45 RBIs and 92 strikeouts in 68 games. It comes out to a 35% strikeout percentage during those 68 games. Soon after moving, he moved fifth and third and then settled in the fourth hole. Batting cleanup, 85 total games for Matt Olson, 328, 425 with a 691 slugging batting cleanup. 32 homers, 86 RBIs, and 69 total strikeouts in 85 games. So that's a 21% strikeout percentage. Matt Olson's batting average went up exactly 100 points, and his strikeout percentage dropped by 14%, moving from the two-hole to the four-hole. There's been a lot of conversation this offseason, at least it feels like it to me, about how you configure this Braves lineup, right? Does Michael Harris move up from nine? He wants to bat ninth, but batting him, say, second instead of ninth would get him like 100 more plate appearances over the course of the year. Do you move Ozzy to six to accommodate that, or do you let Harris continue to bat ninth because he wants to bat ninth? But I think no matter what, there's some things you cannot change. Ronald Cooney Jr. is the leadoff hitter. From a purely sabermetric standpoint, is he the ideal leadoff hitter until last season? He really wasn't. But that's where he wants to bat. That's where he's comfortable. Let him do it because obviously he can put up stupid numbers from the leadoff. I think also Matt Olson, you know now, we know for sure, Matt Olson needs to be batting cleanup over anywhere else. Now, I will say there is some logical regression that could happen for all of these guys. Last year was a historic season. And for most members of the offense, maybe with the exception of second half Sean Murphy and Travis Darno, uh, everything went right for the Braves hitters in 2024. So it is, it would be logical if there was some sort of regression. But if 
Matt Olson put up four whole numbers the entire season. You know, 328 average with a slugging of almost 700 and just under a home run every other game. It feels like he would be the MVP unless Ronald Acuna Jr. has a 50-50 year, which he's talked about is a possibility for him. The other guy that I think is really interesting in this race is Austin Riley. Plus 2,500, he's tied for 10th best odds. And he's a guy that has consistently been up there in the voting, but has never really broken through into that absolute top tier. And it's wild how little attention maybe Austin Riley gets as one of the best players in all of baseball. Like, buddy says, yes, he's a very good player. But Austin Riley has two seventh-place MVP finishes and a sixth-place MVP finish in the last three years. And so what I think has to go differently for Austin Riley to win the MVP, I found a couple things kind of diving in some of the numbers. I think we wrote this up back in December at Braves Today. It was either me or Jake. I'll find the article. I'll link it in the show notes. But I think the first thing is Matt Olson has... Austin Riley has to hit more home runs, right? Those three MVP finished years, he had 33 homers, 38 homers in 22, and 37 homers last year. And the only two MVPs in the last like 15 years to have 37 or fewer home runs and win the MVP was Joey Votto in 2010 and Paul Goldschmidt in 2022. And both of those guys also had other mitigating factors that said, hey, this was a really good year and it's they're def- like they're deserving of an MVP. So one, you need to see the home run numbers go up a little bit, right? He needs to hit more than 37 homers to get into that top three of the MVP conversation, if not win the whole thing. He also needs to get back to his his historic trend of crushing fastballs, right? So 21 and 22, if you look at his run value on StatCast against fastballs, it was plus 19. He was batting 314 against fastballs with a 572 slug in 2021. In 2022, it was like a 264 average and was slugging like 500. And then in 23, it looks like it was just a small tick down, a 251 batting average, and a 492 slugging, which isn't bad, right? But his strikeout rate against four-seam fastballs was 29.6%. It's the highest four-seam fastball strikeout rate for Austin Riley since he debuted in 2019 and struck out 33.7% of the time of it. Uh, When you kind of look at the heat maps, it really looks like the inner third uh, where he's mostly struggling with Uh, fastballs, both at pulling the trigger on them. He's swinging like under 35% of the time, but then also with the actual swing and miss there and just, you're just not making contact with them. So there's that. And then sliders. We know the whole classic story of Chipper Jones helping Austin Riley with sliders down and away was the worst thing for him. The longest time he didn't actually do that great last year on sliders either. Not as bad as his early career performance, but he went one for one, or sorry, two for 129 against down and away sliders last year. And one of them was in the home run or was in the playoffs. Now it was a homer, right? 
He hit, he uh, launched one into the bullpen off of Jeff Hoffman in game two of the NLDS uh, to cap that five to four comeback. But for the most part, he's got to work on that. And then defense, I don't think he's a bad defensive third baseman. I know the metrics are kind of out there and everywhere, but something where his arm strength has dropped a little bit in recent years on StatCast. I think he's great at charging balls in, but uh, on the metrics for his arm strength and for his range, he doesn't get a ton of credit. It's not bad enough to hurt him in the MVP race, but if he wants to get into that MVP race, he needs those metrics to work in his favor. So Acuna, obviously the favorite, deserves to be. Matt Olson's in this conversation, plus 1,200 at sixth. Austin Riley tied for 10th at plus 2,500. There are other Braves in here as well. Ozzie Albies plus 10,000. Michael Harris the second plus 12,000. Marcelo Zuna plus 20,000. And there's a really interesting one that kind of will get us into the next segment. Spencer Strider at plus 1,500. I want to talk about the pitching and some of the pitching awards. We'll do that next right here on Locked on Braves. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. You can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. You can bet all your favorite NBA players and teams, quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. And then when you've won that first bet and you have your $150 in bonus bets, go check out the Atlanta Braves on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot today with FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome back to Locked On Braves. Lindsey Crosby filling in for Jake Mastriani this week. And looking at the pitching awards, it makes perfect sense that Spencer Strider is the favorite for Cy Young. He led the league in strikeouts and in strikeout rate last year. He was it was another situation where a brave starter had great a great winning percentage, tons of wins, all of that stuff. That is kind of to be expected, right? But I do think that there's a couple things you need to see happen for Spencer Strider for him to actually win the Cy Young. Uh, first thing is his ERA needs to be more in line with his fielding independent pitching. And I think this is what hurt him last year. It's a common kind of trend. If you go back and you look at Cy Young winners, their fielding independent pitching and their ERA are never together, but you want the ERA to be lower than the fielding independent pitching. And Strider, we know that was the issue with him last year. He had a 386 ERA, which would have been, I think by like half a run, the highest of any Cy Young winner in baseball history, right? But his fielding independent pitching at 285 led the National League last year. He had the wins. He won 20 games at an 800 clip, by the way, for his decisions. Again, led strikeouts at 281, led in strikeout rate at 13 and a half per nine innings. But he had such a negative differential between his ERA and his FIP. FIP of 285, ERA of 386. And to win the Cy Young, he needs to continue to have top of the league strikeout numbers. He doesn't have to lead the league in strikeouts, but he needs to have top of the league numbers. And he needs to have better luck with the ERA versus the FIP. He needs to have the difference be the other way, where the ERA is lower. Because unfortunately, there are a bunch of award voters who look at that stuff and they care about what your ERA is 
when it's maybe not always the best way to evaluate a pitcher. And so because of that, you need it to work in your favor. Uh, something that I will notice here is 22 home runs, 1.1 home runs per nine innings. And when you watch, a little frustrating for all of us, right? A disproportionate number of these home runs come on fastballs and specifically fastballs down the middle. But something where, and we wrote this up recently at bravestoday.com. I'm not trying to make this show into an advertisement for Braves Today, but Jake's got a ton of content on there. I've got a ton of content on there. It's relevant to what we're talking about. A disproportionate number of his fastballs have gotten launched for home runs. And so we saw it spring training recently. He was manipulating the shape of the, of the slider, made it look like a really great vertical breaking curveball. If he can find something to uh, maybe not have to come into the zone as early in the at-bat and have a pitch get launched for a home run, that'd be great. And then he had four outings last year where he allowed multiple home runs in the same game, including Adolis Garcia taking him deep twice. And I think the Tigers got him three times in the same game. So some bad luck, uh, some bad locations and fastballs being launched, and then just getting that ERA and FIP to have the difference go the other way. I think is what's going to be key to Strider to winning the Cy Young. But Max Freed is, I think, an underrated candidate to win the Cy Young as well. He is plus 1,300, so fifth best odds to win the Cy Young in the National League. And when he's a guy that we know he can put up Cy Young caliber performances because he was the runner-up in 2022, right? He started 30 games, went 14-7 and seven with a 248 ERA. His ERA was lower than his FIP. His FIP was 270, so he had the positive luck when it comes to the differential there. 170 strikeouts to only 32 walks in 185 innings, right? It was like 1.6 walks per nine innings. He avoided the walks. The strikeout numbers weren't absurd, but they were close to nine per nine innings. And then again, he had, I mean, he won 14 games. The ERA was under two and a half. He was the runner-up to Sandy, who just had an absolutely absurd year where, and same thing, his ERA outproduces FIP. It was a 2.28 ERA and a 2.99 FIP. But Sandy led the league in innings pitched with 228 and two-thirds. He had six complete games and a shutout. It's kind of hard to say that guy doesn't deserve the win to Cy Young. So looking at Max Freed, he is reportedly completely healthy. And he's not been injury-prone in his career. Yes, he's missed time. But he's also put up large inning counts in all of his seasons, large and effective innings in 19 and 20, relatively speaking, and 21 and 22 before dealing with multiple injury list stints last year. So uh, this is health. This is, again, finding a way to outperform his field and independent pitching with his ERA. And then uh, maybe having somebody else in baseball not have a generational year like Sandy had, because that was one of the best pitching years I feel like we've had in a long time. And you saw Sandy wasn't the same in 23 and then eventually had to have Tommy John. So in retrospect, maybe it's good that Max Freed didn't push enough to meet those numbers and, and, uh, and win the Cy Young over Sandy. But there are other Braves in this list as well. Charlie Morton plus 5,000, Chris Sale plus 6,000, and Bryce Elder, plus 20,000. I'm not sure how likely Morton is to do it. Not sure how likely Elder is to do it. Pretty confident Sale's not going to get enough innings to do it. I, they've not given official numbers on that, but the Braves have indicated that he's going to have his innings managed this year. You'll probably see some skip starts, some extra days of rest. 
things like that, just to try to uh, keep him fresh for October. The goal of having Chris Sale, of going up to get Chris Sale, is to have him available for the postseason versus getting you through July. You can get through July and August. You did it last year without Freed, without Wright, who combined in 22 for something like almost 400 innings, right? You can get through the summer. The goal of having Chris Sale is to get to the postseason and through the postseason with him. Uh, In just a minute, let's talk about some of the other awards. There's not necessarily FanDuel odds on these, Silver Slugger, Gold Glove, things like that, but what some guys have to do to earn those. We'll do that next right here on Locked on Braves. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time. If you've ever tried to buy tickets to a sporting event, whether it's major leagues, minor leagues, whatever, or maybe it was a comedy show, a play, a movie, whatever it might have been, and you were having trouble getting it done or weren't happy with the experience, you need to check out Game Time. Game Time's got a couple really cool things that give you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You see the view from your seat before you buy. So you know exactly what to expect when you get there. You get an all-in price up front. So you know exactly what you're going to pay for your tickets before you get them in your cart and before you check out. You buy the tickets in seconds with two taps. They come directly to your device and you get the game time guarantee. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less than what you pay game time, they will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use code Locked On for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Now terms and conditions do apply, but create an account, redeem code Locked On L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off. Download the Game Time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Final segment of Locked On Braves. Again, Lindsey Crosby filling in for Jake Mastriani. He'll be back probably beginning of next week. And looking at Atlanta Braves, who could win awards at the end of the year for the 2024 season, looking at Silver Slugger. You had a lot of Silver Sluggers last year, given what this offense did. I mean, tied the 2019 Minnesota Twins for most home runs in a season and did it without a juice ball. So really should be the, like, if, or correction, since Hank Aaron is the home run champion over Barry Bonds, the Atlanta Braves should be the single season home run champion over the Minnesota Twins. So last year, Acuna does it, Riley does it, Olsen does it. They all got silver sluggers. Twenty In 2021, Ozzie Albies gets it, Austin Riley gets it, Max Freed gets it. The last full-time pitcher, who's not Shohei Otani, to win a silver slugger was Max Freed. Shout out Max Freed for that. 2020, Marcelo Zuna gets it, the first ever National League DH. So you had the first National League DH silver slugger and the last National League pitcher silver slugger, both Braves. Ronald Acuna Jr. wins it in 20. Travis Darno wins it in 20. And then both Acuna and Albies win it in 19. It feels like you have the ability to have a lot of those guys repeat this year. But someone that I think could surprise, because he doesn't fit the profile of a traditional silver slugger, but someone, especially if you change the lineup, which I'm not an advocate of, but somebody who I think could surprise on the silver sluggers this year is Michael Harris. I don't think folks realize in 
was it 252 career games, 980 plate appearances? He's batting 295 with a 494 slugging percentage. And reminder, for the most part, he's doing this out of the nine hole, right? And I think he's even maybe necessarily better than that specific batting average and slugging and all of that portray. The on-base isn't amazing. He doesn't walk a ton. He's not going to start walking a ton. This is who he is as a player. But if you go from the June 7th game against the Mets, it was that Tuesday where he talked about Marcelo Zuna got in his ear and gave him the greatest pep talk he's ever heard. And his season turned around because he was dealing with injury early, both the knee and the back and all of that. Though The 100 games to end the season from June 7th to October 1st for Michael Harris. 335, 360, 552, 16 home runs, 15 stolen bases in 100 games. Obviously, if that pace continues, that's like a 25-25 year with a batting average in the low threes. And to me, if he can be healthy and put up numbers like that over the course of a full season, I think he's got a pretty good opportunity to win the center field silver slugger in the National League. Obviously not a guarantee. There's not odds for this on FanDuel, but to me, that was one thing that stood out there. Uh, Defensively, gold gloves. You have three current Atlanta Braves who are holding gold glove awards. In uh, Matt Olson, who won it in 2018 and 2019 with the Oakland A's. Sean Murphy, who won it in 2021 with the Oakland A's. No, four, because Marcelo Zuna won it with Miami in 2017. If I'm wrong, fact check me in the YouTube comments. I'm pretty sure I'm right on that. And then Max Freed, three consecutive pitcher gold gloves from 20, right, 2020, 2021, and 2022, continuing that uh, heritage of MLB's leading gold glove winner, who, believe it or not, is Greg Maddox. Greg Maddox has won more MLB gold gloves than any other player in, I believe, in baseball history. He has 18 gold gloves. So Max Freed continuing that Greg Maddox thing of just racking up the gold gloves. I think I mentioned earlier Austin Riley's defense improving a little bit to the point where he could, could where he could win the MVP. I don't know if he's going to win the gold glove. Nolan Arenado does exist, but if no if if Austin Riley can be in that top two, top three vote getters for gold glove. I think that's significantly going to help him. And then Michael Harris, another guy that I I mentioned could win a silver slugger. I think he's gold glove caliber as well. The issue you have is Brenton Doyle in Colorado was the most valuable defensive, I believe defensive player in all of baseball last year from uh, uh, on StatCast. So that's out above average. Uh, assuming he is the full-time starter in 2024, which isn't a given because his offense wasn't great. It's going to be hard to surpass him to win the gold glove, but I think Michael Harris is good enough to do it. And then Jared Kelnick, I believe with a full season in left field, a guy who's played center field before has the defensive chops to play center. I believe he could win gold glove in left field as well because the bar is a lot lower. Eddie Rosario was a finalist last year. Ian Hop won it. Uh, I do think that, Jared Kelnick can do it as well. Rookie of the year is A.J. Smith-Shaw is the only Brave on the board right now for Atlanta. He's at plus 4,000 odds for rookie of the year. 
And the issue, the concern I guess I have here for this is I don't think he is going to be able to pitch enough innings at the major league level to win rookie of the year. He got 25 and a third in the majors in the regular season and 62 in the minors. So his workload is 87 and a third innings in the regular season. And when I went in and I looked at this, a lot of the guys to even get in the conversation, you're looking at 140 plus innings in the majors. And I just don't know if one, he's going to be able to handle that type of workload and still perform. And two, because the Braves have so many starting pitching options, I don't know if he'll get that much run. The other one to watch out for, a little sneaky, and I thought should have done better than he did last year in this, Brian Snitker, manager of the year, plus 1,000 odds, seventh best odds. He was third place last year, and since he won it in 2018, he hasn't really gotten the respect and come close to winning again. He was third place after that, fourth, fourth, third, and third. And to me, losing both Kyle Wright and Max Freed from your rotation between 22 and 23 for, in essence, most of the season. And again, them combining for a ton of starts and a ton of innings. It feels like he should have been better than third best odds to uh, win manager, or he should have finished better than third to win manager year last year. So kind of frustrating there, but you can see an avenue where if no NL team really surprises, like Miami surprised last year by making the postseason in a non-COVID shortened year, and that's why they won it. If nobody surprises the National League last year and Atlanta has another exceptional regular season, I could see Brian Snicker taking home the award again. It's going to be a great week. We're going to get to the rest of this week. Uh, Friday is the mailbag. If you have questions, uh, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Uh, show is on Twitter, locked on underscore Braves, I believe. You can also leave uh, your questions right here on the YouTube video. We will get to those on Friday. Until next time, go Braves. <laughs>